Let us come together in the prayer of illumination. Let us pray. O God, send your Holy Spirit to open our minds and hearts to receive your wisdom in the scriptures. Transform us by the grace we hear proclaimed and empower us to live it out for the sake of Christ our Lord. Amen. I'd like to invite Phyllis up to read this morning's scriptures. The first scripture lesson is from the Old Testament, the book of Hosea, chapter 11, reading verses 1 to 11. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. The more I called them, the more they went from me. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and offering incense to idols. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up in my arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with bands of love. I was to them like those who lift infants to their cheeks. I bent down to them and fed them. They shall return to the land of Egypt, and Assyria shall be their king, because they have refused to return to me. The sword rages in their cities. It consumes their oracle priests and devours because of their schemes. My people are bent on turning away from me. To the Most High they call, but he does not raise them up at all. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zebulun? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my fierce anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and no mortal, the Holy One in your midst. And I will not come in wrath. They shall go after the Lord who roars like a lion. When he roars, his children shall come trembling from the west. They shall come trembling like birds from Egypt and like doves from the land of Assyria. And I will return them to their homes, says the Lord. The second reading is from the Old Testament, Psalm 107, reading responsively verses 1 to 16. And the words will appear on the screens. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Some wander in a desert waste, finding no way to an inhabited town. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way until they reached an inhabited town. For he satisfies the thirsty, and the hungry he fills with good things. Some sat in darkness and in gloom, prisoners in misery and in irons. For they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. Their hearts were bowed down in hard labor. They fell down with no one to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wonderful works to humankind. For he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts into the bars of iron. 
And from the New Testament, Paul's letter to the Colossians, chapter 3, reading verses 1 to 11. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. These are the ways you also once followed when you were living that life, but now you must get rid of all such things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourselves with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. In that renewal, there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, enslaved and free, but Christ is all and in all. And from the Gospels, the book of Luke, chapter 12, verses 13 to 21. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I will do this. I will put down, pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life is being demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. This is the word of the Lord. Let us join together in prayer. Let us pray. O Lord, our God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight this day and always. Amen. Do you remember when you were given the lesson about the value of money? About how magically you just didn't magically get printed straight from the ATM and how you need to actually work for earning money? Do you remember how the money is kept safe in the piggy bank or a bank account until you're ready to spend it on the things you need? And then once you use it, it's gone. Teaching children the value of money is always important because it allows them to understand how money is used and what its value is in the world. It shows them that holding a certain amount of money can only allow you to buy certain things and not others. And that the value of an object or a service is worth a particular dollar amount and that hard work is valued by the dollar amount of a wage allows you to obtain the things you want. But of course, I'm not here to give you an economics lesson. 
I'm hardly qualified to teach anyone about economics, but I do struggle to introduce one of the hardest topics, at least in my opinion, to talk about in church, which is money, especially given the economic situations that we're currently facing. It feels a bit of a burden to look at money from a faith-based perspective. Money, after all, seems to be the target for a very powerful motivator that we call greed. It was the Swiss Calvinist theologian Karl Barth that said some hundred years ago that theologians should take your Bible, take your newspaper, read both, but interpret newspapers from your Bible. And Karl Barth's advice seems all too coincidental when we look at today's scriptures, paired with one of yesterday's news headlines. Luke's passage talks about greed. Colossians' passage talks about ridding yourself of earthly evils. And I saw a headline on CBC News that said, with the cost of rising living people share inflation hacks to combat higher costs. With the rising cost of food and other goods and services, it's hard to ignore or refocus our efforts when it's staring us right in the face. And it's not some far away problem that we can just conveniently ignore, but it's something that is a part of us, that is right in front of us. And I'm not gonna reveal anyone's age by having you ask me how much a dozen eggs costed when you were my age. But suffice to say, it is important to engage ourselves and our faith with the topic of money and economics. The scriptures talk about all sorts of earthly things. The first line out of today's gospel reading goes, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. Right there, in the beginning of that passage, some stranger in a crowd is going to Jesus asking him to settle a dispute. As if Jesus was a judge sitting in a courtroom or some kind of diplomat negotiating a peace deal. And Jesus is baffled by this request. Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbiter over you? Does it look like I'm a judge to you? Am I wearing justice robes? Am I carrying a gavel? Jesus said to them, take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Clearly, Jesus' authority was recognized by the stranger. He has enough trust in Jesus' authority that he mistakenly thinks that Jesus wishes to settle this little dispute. But of course, we don't know anything about the dispute other than it revolves around an inheritance whether it's some money or some collection of goods, we don't know. Perhaps the stranger was written out of the will, being a terrible son and the father got a cast of him aside. Or perhaps he was like the prodigal son, spending his inheritance, and then when he ran out of money, coming to Jesus and asking him to demand that his brother gives up a share of his inheritance that he doesn't go broke. We simply don't know. But what we do know is that Jesus warns them about greed. He re-emphasizes his warning with a parable, the rich man producing crops so abundantly that he had to build bigger barns to store it all up. And then God calls upon his very life, and the things that he had stored upon earth 
rot away and return to the dust, leaving the rich man with nothing in Christ. His focus was on the crops, not on Christ. When we too focus ourselves solely on the world around us more than we focus on Christ, we tend to be pulled in by those flashy headlines and the chaos that surrounds us. But let us not be confused. Christ doesn't say one's life does not consist of possessions. He says one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Of course, we are to recognize the world around us. God created the world for us to live in together, and what happens around us does matter. But it's in the balance, and Karl Barth really strikes that balance between the Bible and the newspaper. Read only the newspaper and our faith diminishes, and we end up like the rich man with nothing towards God. But read only the Bible and ignore the world around us, and we are forgetting a critical component of God's creation, this beautiful planet that we call Earth. And if we read both the Bible and the newspaper, our faith engages both in learning through the Spirit and acting in the world. And Barth specifically mentions interpret newspapers from your Bible. There is clearly a defined level of importance between the two. And our faith needs to reflect that in action. When we are confronted with rising prices, that feeling of anxiety, that feeling of maybe I'm not going to be able to have enough, that feeling of greed when we are affected by the greed of others and the chaos that surrounds us, we are to be on our guard against all kinds of greed. And Colossians tells us to put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, earthly in the sense of selfishness and harmful desires, because we are raised with Christ. We hold our faith not in the Canadian dollar. We hold our faith in Christ. We don't look to the stock market to determine where our lives go, or at least we shouldn't. We should not look towards the fanciful desires of wealthy CEOs that make outrageous remarks on the internet, or at least we shouldn't. We should always turn to Christ, because Christ holds the power of love and compassion that guides us away from the temptation and delivering us from evil. Remember in the Lord's Prayer that we recite every week. How true do those words ring? And ask yourself, where does your faith take you? In those moments when you go out into the world, is your faith with you? Is your faith with you in the grocery store when you see the cost of goods rising and rising? Is your faith with you when you see the news stories featuring wealthy business people making a profit? Do we have those feelings that Colossians tells us to let die? Those feelings of anger, of wrath, of malice, slander, and the abusive language that rises up just as fast as the rising prices in those grocery stores. 
It is, of course, a natural reaction to see the outrage of people reflecting the increasing cost of food, the stagnant prices of wages, and the record profits of wealthy businesses. On many levels, there is an injustice taking place. But just as Christ tells us, take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. It is a good habit to remind ourselves where our faith takes us, or sometimes where we take our own faith. When we are focusing ourselves outside of Christ on the abundance of possessions, whether out of fear or out of selfishness, we lose sight of where our faith is trying to bring us. I remember at the height of the pandemic, there was a moment where stores were selling out of toilet paper because of mass panic driven from lies spread over the internet. Shelves were becoming barren. People feared that there would be a shortage of toilet paper. It was a very real example of what happens when our focus goes astray from our faith. Selfishness and greed take hold of us. And it's important to recognize it when it does happen. What does our faith call us to do? What does Christ teach in us? It is sometimes difficult in the chaos to remember those lessons of Jesus, but let us help one another in that hunt for treasure that is in God alone. Jesus' parable tells us that God says to the rich man, you fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves but are not rich towards God. What does it mean to be rich towards God? It starts with the focus of our faith. When we look up towards the heavenly aspirations of Jesus, sitting at the right hand of God, judging the living and the dead, he has one thing on his mind. It is not fear. It is not greed or anger or malice. It is love. Imagine if instead of being abundant in a harvest of vegetables, we instead produce an abundance of love and compassion so large that we run out of space to keep that love and compassion? Do we follow the rich man and build up more barns to store up all of that for ourselves? After all, we would have ample love and compassion laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But that would not be compatible with what love and compassion is. It is always important to have compassion and love for yourself. To not live in a state of fear and guilt for the mistakes that we made. But when we have loved ourselves correctly, Jesus is telling us not to store up that excess love and compassion. Share it with others because we have been satisfied much too with our earthly focuses. Yes, it is important to acknowledge the role that money and economics have in our society, but let us refocus ourselves on God. 
to produce the treasure so that all have love and compassion that God gives us, we give to others through our work, through our time spent in prayer, and in social justice, and through our earnings. Let us therefore remember that we must not let ourselves seek opportunities of greed or place ourselves in states of petrifying fear. Look to Christ, but find that balance between the Bible and the newspaper, and remember that distinction. Take your Bible, take your newspaper, read both, but interpret newspapers from your Bible. Engage with your faith. Live your life on earth. But live your earthly life through your faith. Let Christ guide you in generosity and compassion. When opportunities of abundance arise, let Christ guide you away from greed and malice, both in money and in other things that we are abundant in, whether it's talents, abilities, knowledge, time, kindness, or even love and mercy. Take those things and let Christ guide you towards being rich in God, letting generosity take hold of what you have and giving it to others. Let us not be the rich man with no treasure in God. Let us instead go treasure hunting in God's grace, focusing on the treasure that Christ freely gives us. Let us hunt for love. Let us search for compassion. Let us seek kindness. And let us live generously. Let us share in that abundance wherever we go. Thanks be to God. Amen.